As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only thing I've got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, it's part two of our Dallas Cowboys draft review here on the Athletic Podcast Network, the About Them Cowboys podcast. Welcome back in, Kent Garrison producing and uh, running some audio for you today. We've got some cuts to play from all the post-draft coverage from the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry talked a little Dan Quinn, haven't heard from him yet, and of course, Watermelon Mike. What does he have to say? Uh, But to do so, well, welcome back in to the About Them Cowboys podcast from the Athletic, Saad Youssef. From the Eagle, Kevin KT Turner, and from the Athletic Father, John Mishota. Guys, welcome back. Um, we need to touch on the, the last half of this draft, and uh, we'll get to some audio. Yeah, no, so where we, where we ended episode one, we kind of ended at the Jabril Cox pick, which I think we all liked. And then we move on to round five, where they took Josh Ball, offensive tackle from Marshall. Um, a couple of offensive tackles went right after him, and... You know, I like Josh Ball from a measurable and trait standpoint. He does kind of fit the part of someone who could be a future starting tackle in this league. Definitely a developmental guy still because he was, uh, you know, recruited to go to Florida State. But, uh oh, no, he didn't finish at Florida State. And why? Um, Well, he allegedly uh, put his hands on his ex-girlfriend. One time because she didn't return a text in time. Um, Another news report came out and uh, said that 11 times he had been violent with her in the past. So when when all that stuff starts coming out, I knew there was something on him, but I didn't know how bad it was. I started going, well, why him? Like, why do you have to have that guy in the fifth round? Like, just get another guy. Like, why would you even want to bring that in here? I'm curious to see you guys' thoughts on that. Um, Because I actually like Josh Ball's tape. I actually had a, a fourth or fifth round grade on him. Thought he was fine. But why, why even mess with that? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it has a lot to do with just being the Cowboys, being the Cowboys. Hold on, I'm double checking here because you you said fifth. I want to make sure I'm right on this. I'm I'm pretty sure he was late fourth. They had two fourth round picks. Okay. I think I think he was. I think he ended up being a late fourth. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It was one thirty eight. So yeah, you're probably right. That's a fourth. yeah. So late yeah. fourth. I think if there's not the off the field concerns in in, in the past then he probably would have been a second or third round pick just going off stuff I've read about what teams think of him. Um, I know the Cowboys look at him as a potential left tackle. So obviously they think he's got some talented traits there that, uh, you know, as a Florida state fan, I don't really remember him being there that much. What I remember from him is, you know, basically being kicked off the team and at, for the things that you just mentioned KT. So uh, to answer your question, the reason the Cowboys do this is because they have a reputation for doing this and they probably will always do this. And you will always have the fallback of saying, well, we, we like to give guys second chances and we, you know, guys can learn from their mistakes and things like that. And there's, there's a thing I've, I've heard before Nick Saban say like several times about not necessarily with incidences on the level of this, 
but more along the lines of just having guys that maybe they get in trouble when they're at Alabama and he always brings up, okay, so what do I do? I let this guy go. I kick him off the team. How is that going to be any better for him? You know, that, that could lead to him going down an even worse path than he is here. So if I keep him here and, uh, we try and help him and grow and mature as a player, then wasn't that a better thing than just letting him go? You know, like, and, and I'm paraphrasing what he says there. Yeah. But whether you believe that any of that stuff or not is what I'm saying is that there's always going to be something for an organization, whether it be college or pro, that they're always going to have an excuse type thing for why they're allowed to, why they're going to do certain things. And so, you know, you can sit there and talk to a guy and be like, yeah, he's matured and he's moved beyond this. But like, you really don't know until, you know, you, you have them around and they stay out of trouble. They don't, they're not involved in anything and they're just focused on football and becoming a better player. And if that's what he is, then, you know, that's what they'll, that, that they'll be happy with this pick. Um, but my, my issue with it is then what happens if there is another incident and it's not just with Josh ball, but I'm just saying the Cowboys in general, when they, when they take on some of these players like this, then it's like, you just let them go. And then it's just like, ah, well, you know, we tried to give them a second chance. It just didn't work, but it just, it looks bad that way too. If there is, you know, future occurrences and the Cowboys just had a reputation that they're not, that stuff doesn't bother them as much as it bothers other teams. And so, uh, yeah. So where's Earl Thomas? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Should have started this with this when I said about the Nick Saban thing. You have to be able to play. I'm sorry. You have to, <laughs> if you can play and, and you're a good player and you can contribute and they think that you have something to offer the team, then you get second chances. If you are no longer a good player, you don't get any more second chances or third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh chances. It's it's an ugly business, but that's the what that's what happens. I do think there's something to do with regime here as well. I don't know that Jason Garrett, uh, the Jason Garrett regime would take this many chances in one draft on players with off the field issues. But the other thing with that, though, when, when we talk about how many players they took in this draft with off the field issues, I do think it's important to kind of isolate the Josh Ball situation. Like this is not this is not a player making rap albums um, off the field and things like that. So I think, you know, when we do talk about this Cowboys draft in general, it, I don't think you lump Josh Ball in with everything else. With you know, I, I know Michael Parsons had some. There, there's some stuff there as well, but that was like you know a hazing incident, things like that, and and Kelvin Joseph obviously with uh, his his uh, rap career on the side. But I, I think with the Josh Ball situation, it is a little bit more. You know, you watch it a little closer, and 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 it's not something that gets lumped in with everything else, if that makes sense. From the Orlando Sentinel, okay, this is what she said. Uh, He slapped her once in the face after breaking her cell phone against a wall. He pushed her into a closet at her Tampa home because he was upset she went to Disney with a friend and did not text back fast enough throughout the day. On April 1st, as Ball was recovering from a concussion, he grew angry because sellers did not spend enough time with him. Ball threw her to the floor, cutting open her right knee. He later pushed her onto a chair, smacked the side of her thigh, leaving a handprint bruise, and bent her car key so she could not leave. He later deleted all photos of the injuries from her phone. There were also three instances where he sent inappropriate media to her. He had a girl who was lying in bed with him send a photo of them to her, okay, while his number and social media accounts were blocked. He sent photos and videos of himself drinking while taking pills to her and her friend, along with more than 40 phone calls in less than an hour on June 17th. He sent a provocative and inappropriate video of himself to sellers to his friend who posted the video on Snapchat on September 9th. I, I, dude, they're over the second chance. We'll play the cut, Kent, with Jerry because he talks about second chance. Dude, homie's had a second chance. This is chance 13. And John, John, you have, uh, you kind of have kind of what Jerry said, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is what Jerry said. And and it was interesting the way it was phrased to him in the question. It was basically like, Jerry, what would you say to the fans? And Jerry was like, I can't, I, I would say pumped up a little bit. Like he was ready to go um, and jumped right in. And it was like, I've got a lot to say to our fans. Like, so he was ready for this. This isn't like, this wasn't like this going to be something that he didn't really, oh, I can't believe I'm getting all these questions about Josh Ball. We didn't really think it was anything this big. Like he was ready. And he said, basically the types of issues that we're talking about. And this was because Steven talked about it first and then he jumped in on it. Um uh, you know, young men find themselves in this case, can find themselves as part of uh, 
you know, we've dealt with this throughout when, when I've owned, owned the Cowboys, um, and, and, and we've never changed as to how we've handled it. It has never changed. I want to be real clear. Never changed with any coach here. Uh, I believe in second chances. I believe in people learning from their mistakes. In a way, that is what part of the game is about. You get knocked down, you get back up, you embarrass yourself because you don't know what you are doing. Then the next time you make sure you know what you are doing, you make the play. Is that is that from the Randy Gregory press conference or the uh, or this one? I mean, I mean that's just like that's classic. I mean, they'd say that with with I don't know three players a year. It feels like or something. Uh, you know, on, on the draft show, Josh Ball had a comment. He was asked about it by Kavanaugh and those guys, and um, you know his his comment was like, "Hey, everyone's put it behind him." Oh, the, oh, they have? Like, dude, I, I just I don't have time for that stuff. Okay, well like, then, I, if you didn't like that, Casey, then what about else. what about when he was asked? He talked about growing as a human. Well, if he was he was asked in our conference call with him, well, how did you achieve that growth as a human being and a man? He said, mentally, you got to be careful about who you keep in your inner circle, people who come close to you. You really have to see their characteristics and who they are as people and just be cautious of who you let into your life. There are certain things that I have done mentally for me to grow as a human being and as a man. So it's like it wasn't really about him as much as it was uh, in his answer. It was more about people that he is, uh, is associating himself with. And I just, yeah. I don't know, that doesn't really sound great either. So this is this is going to be very interesting. What I read out earlier was not even the full like crux of it. There's more, and I don't, we don't oh, yeah. have to get into it. But it, there's a ton of stuff. It's like, dude, just pick someone else. And he said, it, and he said it was. He made it clear that you know this was something that was being asked about all teams he talked to. Yeah. So and it's not. This is like this isn't a surprise to anyone. Like he would have been a higher pick if it wasn't for this. That's there's pretty clear. It's it's also you know kind of what we said when we talked about the top half of this draft, guys. It's. It's kind of the theme of the draft, right? The high risk, high reward players. And and it and it really does show you that this front office is is going for a championship, you know? I mean, they're willing to risk the uh the potential upside of these guys for a couple of years for the uh, potential downside of not either not resigning them or having them flame out uh for something off the field. I mean, almost with all these picks, you, you know, you look at um high risk, high re- high reward and you know, I don't know if you guys have heard uh Dane and, and Lance's wrap up of the draft yet, but you know, they did a you know, best and worst picks uh for prospects to pros and like the one pick that they kind of harped on is kind of a what was the the Nashawn Wright <laughs> there, you know, they had both I guess priority free agent type grades on, on the guy. And, 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 you know, it's a high risk to take that guy, you know, and, and and make a pick on it, you know, and that's, that's just the mentality that the Cowboys have right now. Right. And so this is the thing, the Josh ball thing though, if he gets into some trouble off the field or he ends up being a problem for the team, it's easy to just cut bait with a, with a late fourth round pick. I think there's a lot of risk type reward where if he really did learn from this and you know he is just like a model citizen his entire cowboys career they probably look at it as we could end up getting a future starting offensive tackle in the late fourth round and as opposed to your first and second round picks who i completely agree with what you said kent like those guys you need them to be good like you need them to be on the field you need them contributing immediately like you don't even have time to like bring them along like they have to contribute right away it, it, it seems that's like what's the, scary yeah, the front office is just like okay cool but but is he a good player all right is okay cool yeah all right sweet we'll take him you know and just, like and just they're think willing about to this. push a lot of those things aside that previously they never were and think about it from this perspective one pick away from maybe none of this happening because if they get patrick sertan if he falls let's say denver doesn't take him you're, you don't have any concerns there and then you're not taking a corner in the second round. So you're not taking yeah. Joseph. Yep. So maybe, hey, I'm not to say that they wouldn't take another guy that might have some off-the-field concerns. But if that one pick goes the way that they were probably hoping it did with Sertan, and he gets to you, you're yeah. not worrying about that there. That's your model type. <laughs> this could, yeah, this could be the the, the, the draft of, of a model citizens, right? <laughs> right, that's that what way. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I mean, obviously there'd still be Josh Ball there, but... Um, you know, second round, you know, maybe they go defensive lineman or something, you know, maybe they go with a, uh, a player where you don't have those concerns either, but them not getting Sertan or JC Horn in the first is what really pushed them into a spot where they had to take Joseph there because it really seems like there was a significant drop off, 
of what to, from not just corner talent, because obviously there's the Asante Samuel, Elijah Molden type guys, but of the type of, you know, size corners that they wanted. Yeah, there was, there's definitely a drop off there. Holy cow. I mean, they had to, Joseph was almost there. They're kind of running out of players at that point, if they were going to get a corner at that point. And turns out they didn't like Milifonwu because he went two picks after uh, Nishan Wright went at 99. So, um, Sadia, do you have any la- final thoughts on the Josh Ball thing before we, before we kick it down the road? I just think I, I just think the you know stuff that we already hit on, but also just the the margin for error is razor thin now for him. Mm-hmm. We we kind of saw this with like you know do you remember Jordan Lewis when he got drafted? He had something still going on at Michigan. It was still a pending case actually. Like I think he was going to go to court like the week after the draft or something. So um, you know then he didn't like you know make any other off the field headlines, and that's why he is now on a you know another contract with the Cowboys. So that's the kind of thing that uh, Josh Ball is going to have to be on. It the, the margin for error is going to be razor thin here. Man, it's just like that. That uh, I don't know. I I don't have any second chances. I know we're all in the same boat here, but like that type of stuff, I just don't. I can't. Not I, only I don't that kind of stuff, that. but that kind of frequency. You know, like I I give you a smoke some weed. I don't care that that's that's deep 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 yep. anger issues and other stuff. And I just. I'm not. I don't get down like that. And, and John said it best that that's the part that kind of is kind of infuriating. It's very infuriating because I, I know what you're talking about, John. But you saw it in person. You know that Jerry kind of hey, I'm ready for this answer. Like you know, puts on his bulletproof vest and he's like, hey, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to answer this question. So, dude, you shouldn't be getting up for this question. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be an exciting thing for you to answer. It's the exact. I mean, it's the same. That's the Greg Hardy exact same thing they said is this is the place to rehab yourself you know and it's not should it be no (laughs) no it's not uh then they go and i'm gonna get the round right this time guys round five pick 179 wide receiver stanford semi fahoko uh there's been a little buzz about fahoko in the days leading up to the draft pretty solid little player uh at stanford he's not gonna you know blow you away with his production uh at stanford but again a big body and now you kind of got a guy who can maybe look to take over, possibly take over wide receiver three. You know, Gallup is a free agent. We'll see what happens. Um, obviously, there's ways to keep him here and things like that. But, you know, Fahoko, you know, would have, in my opinion, a little more upside than, you know, Cedric Wilson, who's still on your roster. So what do you guys think about that pick? I mean, I liked him just because we had talked about him, him on here before. I think in one of my mock drafts, I had him going to him just because I look at him as a guy that because of his size could be, you know, your, your type of future replacement for Michael Gallup if he doesn't resign, which if he has the year that he's expected to have, that, that doesn't seem like a great possibility that he'll be back. So um, the thing about Fahoko, though, is that very last game at Stanford against UCLA, 16 catches, 230 yards and three touchdowns. So um, so since he had that, when, we, when he was on our conference call, I asked him, I was like, so you know, you just got the feeling from the way he was answering questions that he feels like his best ball is still ahead of him because he's kind of just scratching the surface right now. So I asked him, I'm like, so why do you think that? And at the end of his answer, he goes, and I think with my God-given ability, there's just no reason I can't be the best wide receiver in this draft class, if not the league. And I was like, whoa. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of confidence coming from Simi. Uh, but no, I like the size, and that makes a lot of sense that, I mean, the size that he is is kind of speaks to the bigger type defensive backs that the Cowboys are trying to add so that to defend guys like that. So I'm interested to see him because I'm not saying I watched a bunch of Stanford, so I don't know a ton about him. I just know he has the great size and that it's kind of like a, he's still got, he's still got a ways to, to grow. It, it, he's not by any chance, you know, he's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. And he knows that. So fifth round seems like a pretty good, pretty good uh, pick there. I, I don't think that we would have, really had a any negative thoughts about it if they would have taken him with that Josh Ball pick late in the fourth. Yeah, and I think I, I think he I think he has the uh when you watch him play at Stanford and everything, his athleticism and what he does, like I think he could be a really good special teams contributor right off the bat too. Like and I think and I think that's important not to just like, you know, dismiss that third phase of the game. And so I think um when you when you look at what his immediate impact, I mean obviously it's gonna come on special teams you're not cracking this wide receiver depth chart. But 
um, yeah, in the future, I think absolutely. Like he can be a potential guy who is a wide receiver three who plays wide receiver two on the field. Like he plays the the second outside position and allows Amari or CD to do their thing on the inside while the other one of them is on the outside. Yeah, and you know, he had some drops. He's got to get a little better as a route runner. Another thing that I will say about him, he did, as, as Saad said, he did contribute at special teams at Stanford. Uh, we should keep in mind, too, you know, practice squads are going to be extended this year. Um, so, you know, if it's not like he has to be on the active roster this year. Like, this could be a stash guy, kind of like you see in the NBA sometimes, where they'll stash guys in the G League. Kind of that type of thing. Because you still have Cedric Wilson – uh, probably in that wide receiver four role for the most part. Um, now, moving on, you go to round six. We got a big old boy. Finally, for years, I've been pleading the Cowboys to take a big man. They take Quentin Bohanna, the DT from Kentucky, 6'4", 327 pounds. Yeah, that was that's, a, that's your clear one technique right there. And that's a guy that he said uh, Mike McCarthy was at their pro day. Uh, obviously, they draft two players from Kentucky, so... It's pretty clear they were interested in Kentucky from the very beginning there. Uh, And he told Bohannon that, hey, we're going to draft you. You're going to be a cowboy. And so you can kind of say that about guys that are going to go in the late rounds because they probably had a little bit higher value on him than, than let's say, maybe uh, some other teams did. And then as news comes out, as we're recording this podcast, that Antoine Woods uh, is being released by a team. I mean, that's where Bohannon fits right in as as a one-technique defensive tackle. He's not going to get you sacks. I think he's only had... A couple in his in his time at Kentucky, um, but he's a guy that I, I mean, he he's one of those guys though. I will say that if you talk to him, he really impresses you with just he just seems like he's he's really cool with just getting kind of down and dirty and just doing what has to be done. And that's really what you want from your one technique, long arms, uh, uh, basically uh, you know a run stopper type guy. And I'm trying to think of the exact way Mike McCarthy described what he wants on the defensive line. It was something like he said, we want three jets and a plug. And basically that means you want three pass rushers and a plug is, is someone to kind of, you know, obviously you guys saw last year, this team was terrible against the run. You add a guy like Bohannon because you want him in the middle of that defense too, because he's a big body. He can kind of plug things up and open things up for your edge rushers to kind of get after it. And maybe he takes on two bodies. So that was kind of the thinking with him. Kind of similar to what you saw with them taking a third round of Diggy Zua, who's more of your three technique, more of, he's got a little bit more pass rush. But adding those two guys, I was like, oh, yeah, these are guys that are going to have a chance to get some playing time in the middle just because of it's not a great. I mean, other than safety going into this draft, I thought defensive tackle was the weakest position on this team. So you added some pieces there and then obviously letting Woods go just further cements it. These guys are going to get playing time right away. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, you know, when it comes to this position, it's really it, – this is one of those positions where, you know, guys like I, I think KT, like yourself, and, 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 you know, people that actually study the draft deeply, like, have, have the best evaluation on this because the stats just don't – the stats are not how you judge a player like this because you have to be able to watch the tape, watch what he does for the linebackers, for the second level, for the guys around him, um, you know, and, and this is true – no matter where you look in the NFL with uh, with the big defensive tackle position, you go back to like, you know, um, some of those guys like, I, I don't know, like if you go back to like Vince Wilfork, for example, and see the way that his impact was, I'm not saying this guy's going to be Vince Wilfork, but, um, but, but like, you know, then Vince Wilfork created those things for Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis and those guys um, on, on the, uh, on the Patriots, you know, second level. And I think that's what you're kind of hoping for with with the one technique of his size his caliber and when you do draft Micah Parsons when you do have Leighton and Jalen and then Jabril Cox like you're hoping that you know he helps the second level and things like that so I think I think that's kind of what his role is going to be this was my favorite quote from him uh, on our conference call with him he just said going into high school nobody knew me this I'm talking about Quentin Bohanna Uh going into high school nobody knew me I became an SEC college player I went to Kentucky and nobody expected anything out of me I became an all SEC player I can keep on building and growing I know my best ball is most definitely ahead of me you know six foot four is a big difference than the 5'11 of Antoine Woods who the Cowboys have just released so yeah, very, very interesting. And also, the, the three Jets and a plug comment's interesting. It makes me wonder the fits for Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore a little bit, you know, um, because those guys aren't necessarily plugs. Tristan Hill's closer to being a plug than Neville Gallimore is. Um, so, you know, you, you wonder what their long-term roles are here now. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying they're out, uh, on the outs or anything, but they don't exactly fit the mold of three Jets and a plug. 
um, if that's what you're kind of going for. Uh, but you know, there's well, hold on. When I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of three jets and a plug, if you, I'm talking in a passing situation on third down, I don't rule out the fact of like you having like a Bohanna as you, maybe your guy in the middle. And actually, on, on long passing situations, they'll have th- their plug will be a three technique defensive tackle, and the other three guys, your three jets are going to be guys like Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and I wouldn't be surprised if Micah Parsons is down there. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, he's going to kind of fill a little bit of that Alden Smith role like that. So in, in these passing situations, I mean, you could see where the Cowboys' defensive line is Demarcus Lawrence, Tristan Hill, uh, Randy Gregory, and Micah Parsons, you know, in certain situations. So, uh, yeah, I found it interesting that he said that because, you know, we're all still kind of transitioning into this, like, what is their new defense? Because we all got real comfortable knowing every year, uh, well, Rob Marinelli runs this, and 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 he's not going to really disguise a lot of stuff. You know, a pass rush coming from the front four, like, it just seems like we're kind of like, let, let me say this. I do think that stuff that Dan Quinn does is going to be more similar to Rod Marinelli. But he's not completely dis- dismissing things that Mike Nolan wanted to do to make them more multiple. Mike Nolan wanted that. They weren't getting the job done. They had to go in another direction. But like, this isn't going to be just Rod Marinelli. Like, this is our base 4-3. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get pressure. Like, they're going to be much more multiple than that. So it's going to be kind of like they're going to kind of marry together a little bit of Rod Marinelli, a little bit of what Nolan was trying to implement that never ended up working out. And that's why they drafted in this direction, uh, particularly on defense. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting how the defensive tackle overall just just, uh, rolls out because, uh, you know, I think Tristan Hill – the, the perception early on was just that, you know, falling asleep in meetings and things like that. Don't forget, he he was having a really good year last year before he got hurt. So um, Tristan Hill, is going I, I think, is going to be a factor. Neville Gallimore, there were like two games where he flashed incredible ability. Um, and so I think he's going to be in, in there as well. And so will, so will this guy. Israel Mukuamu from South Carolina led the team in interceptions uh, a couple of years, a team that had, you know, J.C. Horn on it. Seen as a leader type of guy, can play inside, can play outside, can play safety. The Cowboys made the comment of moving him to safety. You know, my issue with him, well, he got drafted for the Cowboys because he's 6'4". They just love 6'4 guys. Um, You know, my issue with him is I just don't think he moves very well. Uh, But it does seem like they're going to be interested in trying to see if maybe he can play some safety. So he can play both. But he prefers, he told us he prefers to play corner. On his draft call, he tells Jerry that he's going to be his best corner. And then when we're in the uh, the news conference after, Stephen, like they're, re- they're repeating like how that whole call went down. And, and Stephen just jumps in and is like, yeah, we kind of got other plans for him. I think we're, you know, like he's going to be a safety for them. So um, I'm interested to see how this all shakes out because... I saw a guy last year in Reggie Robinson that they really liked a lot who has this length and size and he never could get on the field. So, yeah. um, you know, they've had guys before Chris Westry's another guy like that, that's had size and, you know, they can talk about safety corner, all this stuff, you know, with the size it's like, until you actually see them on the field in their role, doing something that contributes, there's a, there's a part of me where I, I just look at all these guys and I'm just like, okay, Jordan Lewis is still going to be out there. Anthony Brown's still going to be out there. Donovan Wilson's going to be out there. J. Ron Curse or Demonte KZ. Like they're, I, I find it hard to believe that these young guys are just going to come up and just like these guys like that you don't really know about much about from college are just going to hit the ground running in the NFL as, as as rookies and just make an immediate impact. Like if they do, that's great. But you, you kind of believe it when you see it. I mean, I I think for a second round pick, I think Trayvon Diggs exceeded expectations last year, and he could have been a first round pick. And I just don't think that you should be expecting that out of every rookie defensive back that the Cowboys have. Like it's, it's a serious transition to go from even being on the elite sec type corner to like going from like some Oregon state stuff and then going to the NFL level and then just hitting the ground running right away. So I I, I think everyone should temper their expectations a little bit to, Hey, maybe these, if these guys do something, they come up big in training camp and all of a sudden they're getting a roll. Great. Um, But I just feel like, there's a better chance that they're going to go with the veterans that they feel comfortable with there in the secondary. Yeah. And I think one thing about their approach, especially with defensive backs, but I would say really overall that, that, that stands out to me is that they, they're kind of looking at, okay, what can we coach and what can't be coached? So you can't coach being six, four, but you can coach moving better. Um, you know, turning your hips, things like that. Those are things that you can coach and, and you'll develop, but, uh, but you can't coach. Yeah, that 
that, I think that's that, you know, when I think of Chris, Chris Westry, I think, you know, turning the hips, you know, that body control, you know, when a guy suddenly goes inside on you, how can you adjust, you know, and, and that's yeah. great if you have long arms and you can go out and, and, and get, get these jump balls and things like that and, and, and hit guys in the face off the line. But like, you got to be able to cover in the NFL too. And, well, and, that's and my thing is nervous. And yeah, for sure. And here's the thing. It's like, there's 31 other teams. Like you don't think that they want big corners too. Right. Like there's, there's a reason why <laughs> these guys are valued where they are because there's not a lot of guys that, that make these like, these transitions from being like, yeah, this guy was just a solid college player, but he's got this great size and he just takes over in the NFL. If anything, like I feel like the Cowboys to a certain extent were like, they look over players like Tyron Matthew or like Antoine Winfield jr. Because they're small. And it's like you watch them on Sundays and they're making as many plays, if not more than, than bigger guys. So it's like, I get wanting a guy like, Hey, like let's get a guy that's, you know, bigger like this. Let's get a guy like that's like this, but like, I just feel like it's almost like they're just like overlooking anybody if they're not a certain height or a certain arm length. And it's like, man, I think I think that that could be a, a, a you know, a thing that you look back on. You're like, mm, I don't know if that was a, that, that could have been a mistake. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, a guy that, that two guys that fit into is that ones I mentioned earlier, like, let's just keep track of that Elijah Mold and, and, and uh, Asante Samuel careers. I mean, I think there's a good chance that they're decent players. So let's see what happens there compared to some of these DBs that the, that the Cowboys drafted that have the better size. And Melifonwu, yeah. who went two picks after Nishon right. Wright, who's just two inches shorter and moves way better. Right, and, like, and I think I, I think those are all things that that I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like the cow, like you know how fans will always look at it and be like, oh, well, you know, you found a quarterback in the fourth round. Tom Brady went in the sixth round, and you and you kind of start you kind of start making in your head the exceptions, the rules. And I'm not saying the Cowboys themselves are doing this, but Dan Quinn saw Richard Sherman. And like you know, fifth round pick, whatever, big size, big guy, guy, guy that you know played receiver and then turned into a good corner. Richard Sherman is the exception; he's not the rule. And I and and I feel like you know sometimes they they go to a formula where it starts making the exceptions the rules. If that makes sense. Also, I, mean, I want to get off this, but McCarthy did make did say at some point that they want to play more man. Well, yeah. Nation Wright and Mukwamu are guys who would not fare well in man coverage, in my <laughs> estimation. I think those are zone type of guys um, because you, when you're asking them to turn and run, it becomes a bit of a problem. So you know, I, you know, it's it's a never ending game of the the hands up, shoulder shrug emoji. Like I don't know what they're doing. Let's get to some audio. Hold though. on, real quick, KT. Oh yeah, yeah. From yeah. everything that you've watched, let's say they came to you and they were like. We don't care about arm length. We want you to draft us the best player, just the best player. And you factor in everything off the field, on the field. You've seen all of that. Would you rather have Kelvin Joseph or Asante Samuel Jr.? Asante Samuel Jr. But it's close. Yeah, that that one's close. What's not close at all? What about is Elijah Mel- Molden or Malafonu or Nishan Wright? Yeah, that's where it's that's where it's <laughs> not close. But if we just pretend that Jabril Cox went at 75 instead of 115, we can make it right. I would have taken Deontay Smith from East Carolina over Josh Ball. Right. A, because I think he's a better player. B, because, you know, you don't have to say, why did you take that guy? Um, yeah, Mukurama, though, the sixth round is fine. And I don't want to leave out Matt uh, Farnio from Nebraska. That is position flexibility, too. I don't know if he'll ever be able to play, but he can't play all five spots on the offensive line. I do like that out of a seventh-round pick. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Vic Torinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. We'll get to some audio. Kent, let's start with the Aaron Rodgers clip. I'm, I'm very curious yeah. to see uh, what completely happened here. Yeah, so, you know, to set this up, obviously Rodgers broke the news that he wanted out of Green Bay the night of the draft. And, of course, they had to ask Mike McCarthy about it the night of the draft as well, or attempted to, I should say. Mike, there are no flashbacks on the Brett Favre stuff that you guys had to go through up there when the Aaron stuff came came about? Uh uh, um, uh, that was an experience that, um, yeah, God, uh, help me out, Jerry. <laughs> well, I will. I will. Do, do, I'm going to mess you up out of here, guys, uh, and advise you. I believe I'd stay away from that one, Mike. I said you're a little too close thank in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the save. I'll get fined for, I'll get fined for tampering if I comment on it, but I'm not so sure with your background up there what, uh, yeah, was a what long might time be evolved from that. A long time. Hey, that was then. This is now. Yes, right. I'm, Focus on the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. To be fair, uh, that was what? the second. That was a second part of a question, though. I mean, right. he had a yeah. he answered about Aaron Rodgers before that, pretty lengthy, just saying that I think it's everything uh, in this business. I don't think anything ever surprises you, and I think things like that mm-hmm. go on. Conversations are always going on when it comes to player acquisition. Obviously, everyone knows the impact that Aaron has made on the Packers, but I didn't really give it much thought. Uh, I haven't seen anything happen today, so it's good news. It's a good news story. And then he added in, Jerry told me when I got here, all news is good news. And so, like, made a joke of it is basically like, well, yeah, I mean, he's putting that out there. You know, hey, it, it, it stirs yeah. some stuff up. But basically, McCarthy was kind of like, you know, nothing's happened, so it's not really a big deal, you know, about the Rodgers thing. So he did answer that, but that part right there was a follow-up. Yeah, that was that was the gold audio. Um <laughs> Jack, uh, yeah, he, he tried to play it off like that was a long time ago. It's like not that, not not really, not that long ago. <laughs> you, you don't see head coaches though in the NFL getting a bind like that very much. Like it, you know, uh, Tom just, Sula uh, would happen commonly with it, him, but you well, rarely see that any head coach. I, I, it's worth it's worth playing just that first part again. All right, well here here I'll be the I'll be the McCarthy whisperer. This is what he was thinking, but he can't say. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron's a drama queen. He's always been a drama queen, but he's a great player, and I wouldn't have a Super Bowl without him. So, what do you want me to say about him? <laughs> I just I want mean, to seriously, hear. Seriously, am I wrong, KT? Fair. Am I wrong? No, no, yeah. it's fair. Yeah, he just he can't. He's, it's best not to comment, right? But him, him getting, him catching himself here is, is pretty gold. This way, is I guess. Mike, there are no flashbacks on the Brett Favre stuff that you guys had to go through up there when the Aaron stuff came came about. Oh. Uh, uh, um, uh, that was an experience that. Um, yeah. God. <laughs> That's gold. That's gold. I love that. Um, you know, KT, he told us before that, and this was, I think this was off the record, but um, I'm pretty sure that I, that his first time going to one of those uh, Packers, uh, I guess, what do you, I mean, you're, you're a shareholder, right? Yeah. So they have me. those every once in a while, I guess. I guess once the first one, yeah, I guess the, fir- the first one he had to go to was where he had to kind of explain to them, like, yeah, we're going to be moving into this other direction with this Aaron Rodgers. And there were a lot of people obviously furious at the, at the yeah. meeting because what of everything Favre has been. And it's obviously like hindsight. You're just like, no, this Rodgers dude is, is pretty good. And then obviously it's gone on to be, you know, even better. I mean, wh- who would you take out of those two? Rodgers. Yeah. 
now knowing knowing now, but like at the time, at the time I was annoyed that Brett Favre was doing this very selfish thing of like sure. fake retiring. And Rogers, I, I know this isn't a Packers podcast. Rogers is going to hurt himself if he tries to do what Favre did because Packers fans, honestly, they want Aaron Rodgers there, but they don't want to see any BS from him. Like they they don't want to see it go down that road. Because they did it the first time and it was annoying after a while. And nah, I think I think be- they'll be fine because as long as he goes to the AFC, like I think will happen, they'll be fine. Because if they can sit there and, and forgive Favre and he went over to Minnesota, they'll be fine with him. If he goes to like Denver, even if they won a Super Bowl with Denver, like he'll come back in 10 years, you know, or five years, they'll retire his number. Everybody yeah. will love him again. Yeah. Okay. And KT, also two, two things. One, as long as he doesn't go to Minnesota, I, I think he'll be fine. And then two... Like the other thing is with Brett Favre, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you're you're the you're the Packers guy here, but um, Brett Favre's situation was brought on by Brett Favre. I feel like there's a lot. If, if you're uh, if you're an objective fan, uh, uh, an objective Packers fan, the organization screwed this up quite a bit. I mean, you look at how Tampa Bay drafted a quarterback this year, let Tom Brady know things like that. Same thing happened in San Francisco with Trey Lance. They let Jimmy Garoppolo know. You, you just went behind this your franchise's back, drafted Jordan Love. You, you kick a stupid field goal in the, in, with, with the Super Bowl on the line. Like, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm more pissed off at the Packers than I am at Aaron Rodgers. If I'm, like, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, dude, like, I know we went through this drama stuff before, but go do you because this organization is effed up. Well, I, I, I partially agree, Saad, but where I go, look, they didn't want Jordan Love. They traded up to get him, but they wanted Justin Jefferson. That was the guy on their board that they they wanted. So, like, to, they were trying to get him help, and it just didn't go that way. And there's a quarterback here. You got to take him the same way. They didn't want Aaron Rodgers that year. He, he was there at 22. They're like, screw it. We got to do it. And what I would say about Aaron is he's created this thing in his head. It's like, dude, they do not want to replace you until you suck. So, like, you're fine. They were going to offer him a new contract. And they asked him two years ago to help out with the head coaching search after McCarthy was gone. He said he didn't want to be involved. So, like, dude, you can't just, like, want to be involved one day and then not want to be involved the next. And so let, me, it, let me tie this in, though, too. Thing. But, but, me, but like, well, real quick, we're talking about a guy who hasn't talked to his parents in, uh, you know, a decade and a half. So <laughs> there, there are some issues with that human. Absolutely. And, and and I agree with some of the stuff Saad said, but I got to ask you this, Saad. Like you talked about, you think that it's on the organization that which organization do you think's run better? The Green Bay Packers or the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, absolutely. The Green Bay Packers. Right, but, I, just, but, I just making but, sure. But but that's not the scale that I'm going on. I'm, I'm going more on, OK, the way Kyle Shanahan did things with Jimmy Garoppolo, the way Bruce Arians and, and the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks did things with Tom and, and Tom Brady. Is, is is 70 years old, dude's in a retirement home, and they're still consulting him about taking the future quarterback. And so I, I, I think, you know, it's not like, like, and KT, like, yeah. like you, you know more about the draft and, and all this than I do, but I'm just saying Jordan Love didn't fall to the Packers. They went up and got him. Like, you can still give Aaron Rodgers a courtesy call. Like, Aaron Rodgers is 35, 36 years old. Like I, I think he warrants that much yeah. that you can give him a courtesy call. So Did, didn't didn't Favre deserve that? And then and even going back to both the examples, you, I, I still think I'll take the Packers as a better run organization than both the teams you just mentioned. Like Tampa Bay is going to do everything to kiss Tom Brady's ass because they need a quarterback so badly, and they haven't had one in the in the history of their entire franchise. Like Green Bay hasn't had to do that. They've literally gone from Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And if there's a drought for like several years where they don't have a good quarterback, they'll kiss someone's ass too, the way Tampa Bay did with Tom Brady. But like up until this point, like the way Green Bay is run, like as bad as this situation is, I still think that, I don't know, I easily say they're one of the top five best organizations in the NFL. I do too. I think so. Their GM is a, is a cap guy too. He's a, he's a salary cap guy who very much wanted to continue doing the Ted Thompson way of things, but had to go spin because there was urgency to win under the Rodgers window. And that's why they went out and they made David Bakhtiari the highest paid left tackle in the league. They made Kenny Clark the highest paid nose tackle in the league. They kept uh, Aaron Jones. They made sure that they paid Zadarius Smith and Adrian Amos and all these guys. Um, like there's Rodgers like it, a, it kills their cap to trade him now. It, Kills their cap again if they want to trade him after June second. Just to, just kills it a little bit less. 
Does he really think he's going to go somewhere and have better weapons than Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Amari Rodgers? Whatever you will say about Scantling and Lazard. I know those guys you know, aren't great, but Tanyan, one of the best pass rushers in the league. They drafted some offensive linemen to help. They're not trying to not help him. I, I, he's created this thing in his head. Like, yeah. what does he want? What? How did they do him wrong aside from not That's what I'm calling wondering. him before? The, so on the clock, they, they yeah. got to call Aaron Rodgers during yeah, the offseason? They draft God the quarterback. knows where he's at. You know what he does to respond to that? Goes out and wins MVP. The organization says, you know what? Yeah, you're still our guy. Absolutely. And then he still wants out. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what. Have some competitive spirit. Right. Oh, how, how about over my dead body? Over my dead body, Jordan Love's taking my job. Have some right. competitive spirit, Kevin Durant. God. Right. And, and I, I do, I do see that part because look, the, the Patriots did that with Jimmy Garoppolo as well. They drafted him in the second round and Tom Brady said, Tom Brady went out and won two more Super Bowl rings. And then you have to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I, I get that part too. But the one thing, the last thing I'll say, because I know this is turning into a Packers pod, but I just find this very amusing. The, the Aaron Rodgers, like, he, like I, I think it was yesterday, two days ago, he got like booed at a Milwaukee Brewers uh, a, a minor league game or something. And the, the funniest thing about this, though, is the, is the report coming out that the release of Jake Kumaro was the final straw for Aaron Rodgers. Like, like I understand you, that's your guy or whatever, but that's what like breaks you. Like I don't know that that that's kind of weird. And his other thing was the the quarterback coach, um, who was his quote best friend, Alex Van Pelt. Well, guess who got rid of Alex Van Pelt? Mike McCarthy did that. So like, right. dude, I, it's it's just it's real weird. You guys think that they called Tony Romo before they took Dak Prescott? Yeah. They oh, didn't you think need these to. guys talk to the players? Yeah. They call their agents. This is so stupid. <laughs> why I didn't, hate it. Why didn't they need to? Do you think Tony reached out I to think Dak? Tony you would think have he been was a, excited? Yes, I think Tony would have been excited they drafted Dak. Tony needed a backup quarterback. <laughs> um, Kent, will you play that cut, okay. safety one? This is about when yeah. I drove off yep. the road. Uh, I was on the tollway driving home when I heard this, and I nearly drove off the road here. Yes. Yeah. okay, yeah, this Stephen is... Stephen uh, Jones Stephen safety Jones. position. Stephen been with your dad since 89 do you agree that it's just more coincidental it was all defensive guys or or do you kind of sort of see that the offensive pieces are in place and you've kind of seen it that way a little bit of both i mean there was obviously very much an emphasis on improving on the defensive side of the ball i mean you look at the offense where our resources are from a cap standpoint from where we've spent draft picks um, you know, it's been on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the results from last year. We just felt like we had a great opportunity uh, to improve the football team going into the draft with 10 picks. And now we have 11. And, you know, when it's all said and done, I think we'll be close to picking 11 players. And I think it was probably a little long overdue uh, that the board fall right. And we were able to pick the, uh, the defensive guys now. Once again, that poor safety position missed out again, but uh, it never fails. We we were right there thinking about it a couple uh-huh. times, but uh, it didn't work out. But uh, no, I think going in, obviously, our emphasis was defense, and like I said, we- it's not funny. It's not funny anymore. My, my favorite uh, part we got we, we got to try to hear him because he expects a laugh there and doesn't get it at all. You know, maybe from maybe a, a chuckle oh, from Jerry. Yeah, oh, a couple of chuckles, <laughs> but when he doesn't get the the laugh he expects, he tries to move on. It, it, it's quite amusing. Here, here's that. Once again, that poor safety position missed out again, but uh, it never fails. We we were right there thinking about it a couple of times, but uh, it didn't work out. But uh, no, I think going in, obviously. <laughs> no, everybody, think, uh, everybody, everybody, just relax. They thought about it. Okay, they thought about it. Oh, that's safety again. You guys thought we were going to do it. <laughs> and, and when they were asked about Trevon, he was asked about Trevon Morig specifically. And, you know, what do you think about the Raiders getting up there? You know, they think they got, they got the guy you wanted. Like, if they want to think that, fine. You know, but we were never taking a safety that high. We wanted a quarterback, you know? It's like, amazing. okay, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter, you know, where on your board he was. He might have been higher on their board at the time. They, they, they it was a positional value at that at that point in time and they needed the they needed the cornerback so so the, there they went but i love the attempt at humor 
I'd feel a lot better about it if KZ was completely healthy mm-hmm. as opposed to coming off an Achilles injury. If he was completely yeah. healthy, I'd be like, hey, this is their guy. You know, Quinn likes him. You know, he he's had a, a big year. I think he had six six interceptions, seven. He had one year. I mean, he had he can be kind of a ball hawk on the back end, but I mean, the guy is coming off an, a torn Achilles tendon. Like that's, you know, I understand that Kevin Durant has done all right bouncing back from that, but like. And that's our second shout out of Kevin Durant in this podcast today, but um, <laughs> that's just not really out. that common that that happens. From more 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 times than not, it ends up going the Kobe Bryant route, where you're like, "Oh, this is the beginning of the end." Uh, what else there, Kent? Yeah. Is uh, do you want to hit? Yeah, so a little Jerry Bingo here. He he does this almost with every introductory press conference after the draft. He for some reason tries to attribute athletic ability to family genes you know he, he did this with lyle and his mom when they drafted zeke he he attributed his evaluation to zeke's mom being a collegiate track track star and that being a big factor in uh, zeke's athletic ability so uh, that was no different with micah parsons here we go which one your daddy or your mama where'd you get that speed that size? <laughs> i would say neither <laughs> From the good Lord. He he was a below-average basketball player. And she was a very below-average track player, so it's all to God. I love the personality from, from Mark Parsons. Throw the parents under the bus. It's all me, baby. I, I like that. But I love Jerry's attempt to uh, attribute first-round talent to you know, his parents. Must have been. Must have been collegiate athletes if he's this good, you know. It's just like no, he's he can do it on his own. He's he's like he's got he went to Penn State. He's fine. I can't wait to see the whole Parsons family going to all the games in a bus. And speaking of uh, Parsons, though, I really like this article that Lance Zerline had when he was talking about some of the guys that stood out in the draft to him by each round. And for in the first round, he said Micah Parsons. And one of the things he said is he goes, if you ever wondered what it'd be like to watch Saquon Barkley play linebacker, well, right. that's Parsons in a nutshell, thanks to his lower body build and outrageous speed from sideline to sideline. He's a terrific open field tackler and a plus pass rusher who helps to divi- to diversify the Cowboys linebacking core. Like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting because yep. I clicked on the article and I was like, I wasn't expecting to have Parsons in there. That's the thing. Like, if he's... If everything's good off the field, there's no like issues there. Uh, you know, he shows up, balls out. Like, I really do like the Parsons pick from the from the player standpoint. Um, I just I find it hard to believe though when the Cowboys will sit there and say like, yeah, he was higher on our board. Well, okay, yeah, he was higher on your board, but you were going to take two other corners in front of him, and then when he was still there for you after those two corners went, you still traded back two spots. So it's like it's hard to believe, you know, all the buy in after the fact. But okay, we'll see. I guess. This is a good quote too here that you're about to play. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is I guess the last one we'll play here. Actually, here's Jerry's dismount from that uh, that Parsons cut. It's two seconds, but here we go. <laughs> hey, hey, there you well, go. there's another below average whatever here. This one is happy you're with the Dallas Cowboys and. Uh, <laughs> There's another what? below average whatever here. I don't know what that uh, <laughs> you're referring to what there. A, what himself, a, the collegiate athlete yeah, himself, I think Jerry Jones? Yeah, I think that's what he was. He, he was a below average. He's, uh, he's good, good at almost everything he's ever done, but uh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Micah Parsons. Um, it speaks for itself. Here we go. What do you do best? What do you think you do best? I mean, they talk about your ability to rush, but what do you like to do best? What do you think you do best? Just play football, man. Uh, just um, I feel like I'm just instinctual, and you know I just I play with a lot of effort. I think that's what I do best. You know I'm always trying to get to the ball. I'm like a ball hawk. I would say you know see ball, get ball. You know water boy type. Classic Boucher humor. Yeah, good headline there. Pretty awesome. Good headline quote. And now we have this. Uh, we have this. This cut forever is good. See ball, get ball. I love that. I hope. I hope. So I've I've seen the Water Boy once. I don't remember that part, but I knew it was a quote from Water Boy. Like I don't remember him, like who says that. I, I know. No, I, no, no, it's the idea of him. Yeah, I think it's just the mentality character. of Bobby Boucher, where he's just like an animal on the field. He doesn't care who you are. I feel like that was in a movie though, where like a coach said like you know to a player that was like kind of didn't know what they were doing, like said that line to him, but maybe not. Okay. Maybe I thought it was Sun- a line in Water Boy. Sonny Weaver said that to uh, Vontae Mack. Well, it looks like Cabot John's got a homework assignment this week. There you, you go. Watch the Water Boy again. 
Well, I knew if anybody would know, it would be Kent. I, I don't recall that. All, all I remember is high-quality H2O. Music or movies, I always go to Kent. Yes, yeah. That's, uh, that's John and I bond quite often over that. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of, yeah, it's time to, uh, I guess, maybe unplug for a week or two here on the About Them Cowboys podcast and keep our ear low to the ground if any uh, signings, releases happen. By the way, we didn't touch on them not picking up Van Der Esch's option officially. Um, we touched on that last episode as an expectation, but that officially happened if y'all want to briefly yeah, uh, hit on that. Let's spend a minute on that real quick. Uh, get, go ahead and get your thoughts there, John. It's not unexpected, and it's the injury thing. You know, if, if he didn't, if he had been healthy, well, actually, if he had been healthy, they're not, they're not taking Micah Parsons, but uh, it's it's all of that tied in. You know, you, you draft Micah Parsons, you take Jabril Cox in the fourth round, and the fact that Lane Vanderesh hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now, I think it's important to point out that just because they didn't exercise that fifth-year option doesn't mean that they're not trying to resign him. I mean, they did that with Morris Claiborne. Um, they didn't exercise the year option and he didn't have a lot of offers after his fourth year. So they signed him to a one year. I think it was like around $3 million deal to keep him in Dallas an extra year. So Morris, Morris Claiborne still played five years in Dallas. Uh, and, and I do think that the same thing could happen with Leighton Vanderish. If Leighton Vanderish stays healthy, then it makes sense to keep him around, you know, and, and if he has, if he stays healthy, he'll have a big year and they're going to want to keep him around. But it is interesting that when you look at the fifth year options with Dallas Cowboys, first round picks, that, you know, they gave the fifth round, they exercised the fifth round option on Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Travis Frederick and Zeke, um, but they don't do it on Taco. They don't do it on Morris Claiborne. So the only defender during that run is, is Byron Jones that they've. So that's the thing you keep coming back to. This team is drafted well on offense, not so well on defense. And so that's one of those things that when you look at them taking eight of their 11 picks on defense, this draft's going to tell you a lot about where this team's at because if out of eight of those guys, only one guy is decent or most of them are bust, like it's going to look pretty bad. Yeah, and I think also just, you know, if Leighton, I think the fact that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option is not is not an indictment necessarily on their drafting of him. Like I think – I think if he does stay healthy, like he's he's a fine player. So I don't I don't necessarily now if you want to throw in the health part, like that's part of the draft process and all that, of course. But but I do think that the talent is there, and so it will be interesting though if he if he's a highly motivated player and this this year stays healthy, everything, and then you have Leighton, Micah Parsons, and and Jabril Cox. I'm curious as to what that does for Jalen because I can see Leighton having a good year on in this year. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just not seeing Jalen Smith ever being the guy that he was remotely two years ago. So I'm curious how this could kind of play out with Jalen and how much dead money ends up uh, getting out of that deal next year. Oh, for sure. That's a good point because uh, drafting Micah Parsons because Van Der Esch's contract's about to be up, most will connect the dots like, oh, that's not good for him. But it's not good for Jalen Smith either because of the guys you mentioned and Keanu Neal's going to play this year. So it's like there's a chance that, that Jalen's not on the field nearly as much as, as he has been in these previous years. I mean, in fact, that I don't expect him to be on the field as much as he has been these, these last two years when he led the team in tackles. So yeah, this is a year where if he doesn't play well, even though he has years left on his contract, this could be his last year with the Cowboys as well because Jabril Cox will be cheap. Micah Parsons isn't going anywhere. And let's be honest. like Lady you look has across, talent. You look, yeah, and you look across this yeah. this team and you're like, okay, so who are the leaders going to be on defense? One of them might have to might be Keanu O'Neill. And if he ends up being a guy that has like a bigger role like that, they would probably try and bring him back on, on, on a somewhat affordable contract if things don't go well with the other linebackers. Outside of safety, guessing next year's needs on defense – it, it, it's kind of difficult because you kind of just have to see how this year plays out. So it's kind of like you obviously safety is always going to be there. It seems, but well, I don't like, care where they're drafting. Trevon Diggs has a bad year, or if Kelvin Joseph has a bad year, they're going to be looking for outside corner again. Yeah, uh, and, and defensive line will always be in play just absolutely. because. Just because if you can get a good tackle, th- there's not a tackle on this roster where you're like. Oh, so and so's there. They're not going to address defensive tackle now. Like, if let's say that they had an awful year and they had a top five pick and there was a really good defensive tackle, they're taking that defensive tackle. Like, there's nothing on the roster right now that would prevent you from doing that. And at edge rusher, other than Demarcus Lawrence, like, it's, they're in the same position there. I mean, Randy Gregory's in the final year of his contract. Like, there's nothing that they've drafted that all of a sudden you're just like, oh, they got Chauncey Golston, so they're not going to be, you know, if there's a if they're in top five 
and there's a uh, you know yeah an edge rusher there uh they'll draft an edge rusher yeah i think All Michael right. Parsons probably fits in there as well edge so rusher. yeah yeah no absolutely no i think that makes sense it'll be int- interesting to see how they implement jalen and all that stuff and how jalen looks you know what if jalen's moving better than he did last year so pull all that together you expect that to happen we don't have time for that okay <laughs> Put all of it together, and there's your Cowboys draft recap. Thank you, Kent, for grabbing all of the audio. If anything emergency happens, we'll be back here on The Athletic. Make sure you're staying tuned. The Stars have a few games left to try to make a playoff push. It's kind of looking like it's going to be tough. Son had a really good uh, piece on Tyler Sagan, though. Make sure you read that. Tyler Sagan retweeted Son. Give him some love. That was really cool. John's got tons of content up as well. And uh, just make sure that you keep it on The Athletic. And uh, do me a favor. Just text three friends. Text three friends. Hey, man, you should subscribe to The Athletic. And then, uh, you know, then tweet me at KT Fun Tweets, proving that you did that. You don't get any prizes for this, but we're all having a good time. No, you get a prize. You get a, shout, you, you, get, you get a shout out on the show. Keep a list, yeah, KT. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll shout, shout those people out. If they do that, only. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for Father John Mishota, for Saad Yusuf, for our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm KT. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. See ball, get ball.